Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr.com. On weei.com. We, uh, what's happened since we've talked last time? Uh, Cam Newton was out for five days due to a misunderstanding with COVID uh, testing protocols. Mac Jones had a great day, didn't have such a great day on Thursday. So, a lot to talk about. Uh, let's just start with that. Cam Newton, Mac Jones. What's your initial thought that we're, you know, past the joint practices and now into the uh, game on Sunday? Well, it feels like it needs to be coming to a head, and I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, obviously, the the day that that Mac was the only, I mean, was the starting quarterback when Cam wasn't there against the Giants. He had a great practice, probably his best practice um, yet. So that's the good thing, and then. Cam comes back. He's in sort of the number one role, even though Mac ends up actually having more reps and more chances over the course of the Thursday practice. And I, I did find it interesting. Mac spoke with the media after practice and admitted it was tougher to get into the flow uh, and then kind of backtracked like that. It wasn't directly revolving around Cam and his return. But you may remember this because we've talked about this a little bit. Comparisons to Garoppolo and Brady and the suspension year and getting Jimmy ready, blah, blah, blah. If you remember, I believe it was the first Wednesday of the regular season, Jimmy said it's a little easier out there to practice without Tom or something. And 
I think that's what Mac was saying yesterday. Like he was the starter. He was treated as the starter. I mean, quite honestly, he wants to be the starter. That's like, there's no beating around that bush anymore. He, and I personally believe just observing and people can tell me I'm full of effing crap, but he, he treats himself like the starter. Like he carries himself like a starter. Um, I think he should be the starter. And I, and I just, when Cam was gone, it looked good. And Cam comes back and Cam is just in the way. I, so I, I think Mac should be the starter, but I don't think he's going to be the starter based on what we've seen, what we've heard. And even I said to you after the press conference day with Mac, he looked dejected and just kind of beaten down a little bit. And maybe that was because he had a bad day. But I think it's because he realizes that he's not the starter. and He really wanted that. Like he had a line saying, you know, I, I gave it my best. Like I gave it my best. And I, I think he saw what happened today that, you know, he had a great day on Wednesday, but it really meant nothing because Cam came back and was the starter. He was treated like the starter. And I think he's kind of realized that everything he's done isn't going to get him the starting job. And I did think it was interesting at the end of practice when Cam was in the center after Bill had called everybody together and they broke up their separate ways, practice over, Cam gave some sort of speech or something in the center of all the offensive players and was pretty, I would say, animated and then ended by lifting his hands in the air and everybody else did too. I don't know. I mean, obviously we can't hear what he's saying. He's 75 yards away and I don't want to, I mean, the pessimist in me, and I have a very strong pessimistic side to me, cynical side, is like it was almost for show. It was almost like urinating on the uh, fire hydrant in front of his house. Like he was laying claim to, I'm still the center of this offense. And I don't know if I'm reading too much in that. For all I know, maybe it was just a pure apology. Maybe it was his first chance to apologize for effing up and missing practice. And it, that's on him and inexcusable. I mean, there, there's a million things he could have said. Um, but he just could have been the leader of the offense, like taking charge after practice. No, I know. And that's what I don't like. He shouldn't be the leader of the offense. I don't want him to be the leader of the so, offense. It should be Mac. So, like, I, I, I spent a lot of my drive home trying to think of reasons why Bill is going to go with Cam as the starter. One thing that – do you think there's something into – Bill doesn't think his body's ready. We heard after the draft, Michael Lombardi say that, you know, he should find, you know, the first – the easiest way to the weight room. Like, is there something to that that maybe – Bill doesn't think that Max ready for a full NFL season and is trying to, you know, I don't know, buy a month out of Cam. So now, I mean, listen, there's no doubt that Cam's greatest strength right now is he's a big, strong dude. Like his physique has not faded. He's in great shape in terms of muscular. It's why I've joked he's still the leader of the all bus team. If you want to get on the off the bus and like wow the defense, um, I just. Since when do you have to be jacked to be an NFL quarterback? I'm, or I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just every. Would you agree that everything that Bill Belichick has given us to this point has indicated that Cam Newton will be the starting quarterback? Yes, I agree so, with that. So, and like you just said it off the top, the regular season is whatever, 17, 18 days away. It's like it. He has to make a decision. I, I think after. Because once the preseason wraps up on Sunday night, all focus is on Miami. Those practices are geared towards Miami, and your starting quarterback is probably going to get more of the reps. So I think a decision has to get made, 
And I just, based on what we've seen and heard, I can't see him flipping to camp in three days. Okay. But the problem I have with that, like, I, I agree with you. Once you get past Sunday, it's all about preparation, the starter, the Dolphins getting. So how does Mac ever develop? If he's not the starter and Cam is the starter and he's getting all the reps to prepare for the Dolphins and Mac is, you know, running the scout team and getting a couple reps here at the end of this drill and a rep here at the end. How does he do? So now, now we're just going down wasted year. It's a valid point. Cause you're right. How does he get, how does he get better? Even said today, like you, you said it too. Like he thought that he wasn't able to get into rhythm. So how is he going to get into any rhythm or anything with Cam on the field, getting starter reps? It's, it's a tough balance. I think every team has to deal with, with a, is it a tough balance? Cause I don't think it's a tough balance. I, you just said it. What is the argument for Cam? Oh, because Mac Jones is, needs to put on like needs to add ten pounds to his bench press and fifteen pounds to his squat, and then he'll be ready. Like I, I just, I, I am totally with you, but I, I think we're we can't go down this road anymore based on what Bill has given us. Unless something changes over the weekend, I, I just can't see a scenario, whether right or wrong, that Mac starts. So, I agree with you, sort of reading the tea leaves. But is there any? Um, reason to believe that in order to squash the hype leading up to the opener bill is is placing the tea leaves this way placing them so we read them when his intention somewhere along the line became mac but he doesn't want because he knows if he announces mac the spotlight is brighter the hype grows like it just becomes a thing whereas if if the perception is that cam is the starter that that kind of tamps tamps down the the flames and like keeps that as a, a a spark not a fire i so i agree but in that scenario does that mean come monday mac gets all the starter reps because at some point it has to change and we won't, we won't we don't get to see that because training camp's over and we don't see practice anymore besides stretching right and you'll be able to see drills you'll see what stretching and you might see them take some snaps from the centers or something where they'll eat. And then people will be like, Ooh, which center is cam working with, which center is Mac? But I mean, it's going to be difficult to ascertain if a change has happened now, maybe they'll announce, we always prepare for the unknown when it's bill. Like you just never know how he's going to decide to handle it. But I do think it would be very in line with the Belichick brand to keep the narrative under control and not create hype and not throw Mac to the media wolves and, you know, give CBS time to request a sit down interview with Mac Jones leading up to his first NFL start and, and NFL countdown on ESPN will want Teddy Bruschi to do a live sit down with Mac, blah, blah, blah. Like, Nope. If, if everybody thinks cams the starter, Mac can kind of just quietly go about his business and then take the field and play the Miami dolphins. Like it's just a football game. When does that announcement come? Does he just he he has to kind of I don't know. This, I guess okay. he doesn't have to make any announcement until whatever they have to submit the starting lineup ninety minutes before the game. Well, the one thing I don't know really how it works. Obviously, our station will have a Monday interview with a quarterback on the OMF show on whatever date that is, the fifth or something before the fourth, fifth, whatever before the game. They Six. can talk around that. They can right, yeah. and then the starting quarterback is available to the media during the week at Gillette stadium. Right. But can you put cam out there and then just put Mac out later? I mean, is cam a good enough soldier? Do you put him out there as like a, a fake 
starting quarterback. I, well, that's that's the other thing. Cam knows. Cam's at these practices. If things start to shift to Max getting started reps, how does he react to that? Like everything we've heard from him this offseason, if he's not happy being a backup, he thinks he's one of the a starting quarterback in the NFL. How does he handle that? Because we've talked about it. We don't think he could be a backup. Maybe he'll post something on Instagram and then claim later it had nothing to do with him finding out he wasn't the starter. Possible. It's possible. Like, we, need, we, only, we should probably hit on it, the COVID thing. Like, to me, it, it bothered me that Cam wasn't uh, disciplined. Like, not disciplined, but it was acted like nothing happened, like at practice. But, like, nothing happened. He just slide right out of the starters, starter reps, nothing was taken away. Like, nothing happened. That bothered well, me. Though I will say, if we're going to just continue to read tea leaves from afar, that is to me a little bit of an indication. Maybe Cam didn't screw up. Like if you put it on Cam at all, if you're Bill Belichick, I'm not talking about us, because we can get into the whole debate about vaccines and this opened a door. But let's just talk about the specifics of the situation where he went to a team approved medical visit and there was a misunderstanding about the testing. If you, if you take that at surface value and the misunderstanding could have been the Patriots and their interpretation of the rules, wouldn't that allow for Cam to slide right back into his starting job, his first team reps, right? It would, but then that begs the question, like, how did you know, you know, every rule you have, you know, you know, everything like, how does that so everybody in the media knew that like the 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 memos that the teams were sent them the stuff the nfl network was pushing was how miserable they're making for the unvaccinated players how didn't you know that? i i don't have an answer to and, that and if that is the case doesn't that even give more indication that cam's going to start week one because if he if bill you know did all that saying we messed up blah 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 then Cam doesn't start week one. It's like, well, I missed three days because of your fault. And I now I'm not starting. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But I also think just putting him back out there continues. If it is indeed sort of a smoke screen or a manipulation of the narrative continues that without, because if, if Max stays out there as the ones, that's the story of the day. That's, you know, the New York media is writing about it, too, to some level. Because I don't know if you saw that. I retweeted, I forget the guy's name, but it was one of the media members from um, New York that said, you know, I understand why the Patriots don't allow videos of, of practice, because if they did, you know, people would be going crazy with how good Mac Jones was or whatever. And I was like, is that Wednesday or Thursday? That was yesterday. No, yeah, not Thursday. That was on Wednesday, his good day. Um, although having to watch Daniel Jones the last couple of days, he stinks. I could the Giants, see that. The Giants is a whole stink. They're not going to be very good. Uh, I would hundred percent agree with that. I think the NFC East could stink. Um, I'm not overly impressed necessarily with the Eagles. I'm not overly impressed with the Giants, the Redskins, the Cowboys are what they are. Uh, excuse me, football team. Um, the, the Cowboys are what they are. Uh, but I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of running out of gas with the Mac versus Cam, Cam versus Mac thing. I understand it's the topic and it's our job and I'm not supposed to run out of gas, but it is frustrating. And I just want it to end. And I'm so to the point where I think it's obvious for Mac that I almost can't understand the, the other side of the art. Like even for example, just watching Josh McDaniels interact with Mac. I think Josh wants Mac, right? Yes, you can kind of tell. I, I thought on Wednesday, 
Josh was super animated. Like you could tell yeah. he, he was giddy. He had jump, jump in his step. Like he was, he was kind of coaching his ass off. And I'm not yeah. saying he, he wasn't, you know, trying, you know, on Thursday, but there was a difference with him, I thought. And we've talked about it. Like Matthew Judon talked about trash talking with Mac after he had a couple red zone touchdowns mm-hmm. in one drill, or you just watch when Mac comes off, he's fired up and he goes to a knee and then other players come and kind of pat him on the head or bump him on the shoulder pad or David Andrews comes over and they go over something. And then I thought it was interesting today that Dante Hightower was asked about Cam Newton's return and his energy or something. And the first thing he referenced was the crowd. Oh, and you, you know, there's a cheer that, that cams here. It wasn't about, it wasn't about on field team energy. It was crowd-based energy. Um, because I actually think the more legitimate growing energy is around Mac Jones now, like in practice, in drills, in competitive environments. I think Mac Jones has taken the lead in terms of energy, swagger, whatever you want to call, whatever it is, all the players are alluding to, and you know, James White, command of the huddle. And okay, so before we do a quick thing on this, do you think the players want Mac Jones? And if Cam Newton's the starter. Does Bill Belichick like not lose the locker room, but go against the locker room? He doesn't lose the locker room, but I do believe that Bill Belichick is now the only one who wants Cam Newton to start. Bill Belichick and Cam Newton are the only two that think number one should start. I think almost everybody else. Now there might be a couple outliers here or there. I think you asked me during practice, if you did a poll of the team, what it, to me, it would be over 80% Mac. And I would include you know, Josh McDaniels in there and, and some of the offensive coaches. Like I just, it is what it is. All right. Like, I don't know how to, I'm going to be writing a column tomorrow. Like it's time for do to, for Bill to do what's in the best interest of the Patriots of the football team. That's Mac Jones. I uh, like you, you drafted a quarterback because you needed a quarterback. Your owner said you need a quarterback. You need to solidify the position. And you, whether you lucked out or you targeted this guy, you ended up with one that looks like he is NFL ready. He looks like he's better than what you have. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing here? As the famous Ryan Hannibal would say, like. I'm in agreement with you, but I just think that this has gone on too long. Um, so Bill is stubborn or stupid? Stubborn. I, I Okay. So he's stubborn because I don't think he's stupid, but no. how can no, and I think that there is something too. For whatever reason, he he thinks he owes Cam something. He likes Cam. Like Cam, you know, was great last year at the media. He was, you know, oh, I, I think that means something to Bill, which I don't think it should have as much merit as it does, but it, it's a factor. So, let like let's go down your theory of Max not like he needs to bulk up a little or get a little stronger physically. Rookie quarterbacks do have a tendency to get hurt. They, they need to learn how to get hit, like Brady says, or take falls or do different. You know, we lived it with Jimmy Garoppolo and the Bengals lived it with Joe Burrow. And there's various examples of rookie quarterbacks missing time. So if Cam's around, he'll get to play. And if Cam is the guy he says he is, who just loves football and his teammates, he'll want to stick around. He'll have an opportunity to play. He'll want to help Mac. I believe he said he'd be there. They'd be there for each other. I also find it interesting, though, like everything that like, it seems like when Max asks about like getting coached, it's always Brian Hoyer. Like yep. it's, always, it's always Hoyer. And then, yeah, Cam, Cam's been good too, but like it's always Brian Hoyer. Well, let's just watch today. Um, on a knee is Mac. Next to him is Brian Hoyer. 
cams off throwing with a ball boy or just sort of pacing in a corner like away from the play we've talked about this a lot like cam can be magnetic and electric and energetic when he wants to be and can be off to himself when he doesn't want to be or when he just happens to be um so yeah i don't i don't think you're wrong with that i don't think cam is quite the mentor that people would necessarily want him to be or you might want to paint him to be but again I, i don't that's not a huge deal to me. That's why Brian Hoyer's here. Brian Hoyer's not going to do that. Then why the hell is he here? Right? Like right. that's his role. Um, okay. So I think we've. Yeah, we could, we could do like an hour of this. Right. We've properly fleshed out the bulk of this. Well, something I want to get into that I don't think many people have talked about publicly anyway. Okay. And I know you kind of have, um, you've observed it. And I think you have some opinions or reactions to it. Um, speaking of roles. Matt Patricia seems to be like, I don't know if I want to overstep here and say running practices to some degree. Uh, he has a very prominent role in practice that most senior advising, whatever his title is, do not have. Ernie Adams never did it. Mike Lombardi never did it. Um, I've never really seen anybody do it other than Bill. He So he, he basically is calling out the situations to the – the team like he's the one saying it's third and 14 two minutes left like he's right. he's and is the most active on the field between the offense and defense like visual verbal everything is the sort of the centerpiece of drills yep what do we make of it i think bill really likes him respects him thinks that he's a good head coach and i think he thinks he deserves these like roles i guess so Relating to the Patriots, I don't know, like, do you, are you trying to say that this seems to indicate that, like, he could be his successor or? Uh, no, not necessarily. I just, it is interesting. And I, I like when we sort of talk about just what we that see means. Yeah. and then try to take what we see and put it in perspective based on theories or history. Um, you know, I think Mike Giardi has talked about it. Like, it's a unique visual to him. We've sort of joked you know, I wonder what Josh thinks about this, or I wonder what Steve Belichick thinks about this with Matt kind of helicoptering back in. Speaking of which, very big helicopter, helicoptered in a number of times during practice today. Um, But what they like feel or Gerard Mayo or whoever it may be to see Bill's boy, his Nantucket boys kind of swoop back in, take a a big role. Now, but this, this role could just be like an on-field, like I'm not going to say like he's Bill's bitch on the field, but like he's not <laughs> like, is he, you know, giving you know, scheme stuff to, to Rod Mayo and, and Steve Belichick? We don't know that. Right. I will say like over the years, we've seen some of the equipment managers do things yes. similar. Like you have the script. So you're the one in control of the ball needs to be on the 20. The markers mm-hmm. need to say it's third down, like, organizing it right it, it's all scripted it's all prepared yeah you're right it's not to say matt patricia is actually doing anything other than being a middle manager and executing what bill wanted from the meetings when they plan the practice trip. maybe this just makes bill's life easier like they right. they have some changes on the equipment staff like maybe they know matt knows what he's doing and he could keep the flow of practice going because we know that they always value that rhythm of practice right so i, I mean that's two ends of the spectrum. We have Matt Patricia as a borderline equipment guy or the future head coach of the New England Patriots in waiting. Um, so I guess we've kind of covered that to both ends of the spectrum. It just is 
And I would wonder if fans have noticed it. You know, there's been fans throughout the course of camp. If they've noticed kind of the Matt Patricia role and he's hard to miss because he he's, wears the red. You, I don't know why you're smirking. He wears a red shirt a lot. Well, I don't know what you were smirking at in the background. He looks 800 pounds. He looks like he, he, looks like he ate Ernie Apps. Okay, you don't need to be mean. Um, I did also think it was interesting today. Caught my eye that Matt walked off with Bill, which that doesn't catch my eye because he walks on with Bill and off with Bill a lot. Probably goes to but the back of Bill. With them was the clapper, Jason Garrett, Giants uh, offensive coordinator. And I'm thinking, so Mike Lombardi's your good friend. You were with him last week. He rips Jason Garrett like you wouldn't believe mocking him as a head coach. And now you're chatting it up with Jason Garrett. Does he know your best boy makes fun of him nonstop? Like he has to know. Jason Garrett has to know. And I think it's got to at this point. Yeah. Um, so that, that jumped out to me, but um, okay. So we, the, we, I think we've touched on the major issue, Mac Jones, Cam Newton quarterback, the secondary major issue. That's one that everybody's talking about. Yeah. Fans, media, everybody. The second major issue that no one's talking about is Stefan Gilmore. Yes. And I, I, I think our leaping off point for that is the Patriots made a minor trade. Yes. Well, but I want to be careful because we all know not to go all Mike Reese on you, but you never know when these minor moves are going to be major moves down the road. Like Dion Lewis. Oh, he's a futures contract. And then he's the centerpiece of your offense, your special teams. He's returning kicks for touchdowns, that whole thing. So Sean Wade, a bigger corner out of Ohio state. Um, just reading very little background information. He was a rookie a year ago. Didn't play mixed reviews as to what he's done in Baltimore this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess once upon a time was thought of as like a first round candidate out of yeah, Ohio. If he, didn't, if he didn't go back to school for the 2019 season, I think. No, 2020, 2019 season, season, he was going to be a first round pick. And Ohio State has a history of churning out NFL corners, first round corners. Um, That's why I want to be careful, like, to not just say this is a stupid minor move. Well, they made it now. To me, if you make a trade now, this guy's probably on your roster. You gave up capital for him, correct? Uh, Probably. Like, I'm just thinking of, the recent history of some of this stuff, like the Corey Cunningham was one of these late camp trades, but right? They gave up two draft picks for him. Well, they need a cornerback because we, we should also mention a minutia thing. Jonathan Jones left practice today. Well, so I was talking to one of my friends who's a big Ohio State fan, and he said that this guy is – he thinks he's like a slot guy. Like he's better out of the slot. And does that say that Jonathan Jones' injury today is something that could cause him to miss time? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. We saw him. It, it seemed pretty quickly to all come together if it was really Jonathan Jones related. Well, but they needed a corner either way. Correct. And if this is the best talent or potential available, you take it. And worst case scenario, maybe he's your slot and you have to bump Jonathan Jones outside and try to play him on the outside. Right. Um, we've seen no ideal candidates so far for the, the Gilmore spot. We've seen. Well, um, no, J.C. Jackson is, has been good. No, no, no. But I'm saying the the whole, oh, not, yeah. not the role. Yes, J.C. Jackson's had a good camp, but the hole left by Gilmore leaving is Jalen Mills. Have not been impressed. He's a safety. I don't think it's his fault. I don't think he should be in there. Joan Williams, I actually think has been better of late. He's yes. been getting a lot of the reps. So I think Bill acknowledged that Jalen Mills was not the answer there. I think that Joan Williams just he's the best you have, and that's a little bit better than Jalen Mills. And I. 
I don't know that Joan Williams in like a good defense is an every down outside corner. I think he's a matchup guy, size receivers, things. But we have to remember Brandon Browner. And I know Brandon Browner was a really good player, but like you got by with a guy like Brandon Browner in a certain role and with a certain style. Um, so sometimes you can scheme and work around skill sets, limitations. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that J.C. Jackson is Darrell Revis on the other side. Even Probably not. Was here. Um, so I, I just, it, it amazes me. And the only thing we really have of reports of late is Schefter on our airwaves for the uh, Jimmy Fun Telethon, W.E.I. Ness and Jimmy Fun Telethon, saying doesn't look like it's going to uh, – fix itself or come to a conclusion anytime soon. Yeah, it's basically like, it doesn't seem like anything's coming soon. Right. Which doesn't something have to come soon? Like, yes, I I will say, I think Schefter was just like talking for the sake of talking. Like, I don't think he was actually like, I I shouldn't put words in his mouth, but like his answer on Gilmore, just like, he doesn't, he didn't know anything and he wanted to give off the impression that he didn't know something. You know what I mean? So you basically think he didn't check in in the last week or with anybody and has no new information? Correct, but one, but didn't want to didn't want to say that, so he just kind of gave a word salad, and that was the takeaway. Okay, um, because I continue to think we're coming down the home stretch here. Uh, we're on. We have to be right. August twenty sixth. You, 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 if you're the Patriots, do you want to go into the week one opener with Stephon Gilmore with like two days of practice? No. Or the other scenario is, is he on PUP? Oh, yeah. Right. And then talk to me mid-season. Talk to me mid-season. I'm collecting my paychecks and I'll start playing mid-season. Like, I think something has to come to a head here. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if that ends up with him being traded. Schefter did allude to, he thinks there's going to be a flurry of trades. Whether they're there's, big there's a, Again, that was not, there's always trades. <laughs> you hate Adam Schefter. No, I, I just thought that he brought nothing to the table in that interview. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I didn't think it was great either. Um, so, like, do you have any change in your feelings, gut feelings? Stefan Gilmore is I, what? I think a deal gets done because I think Bill looks at his defense and realizes that Jalen Mills can't do it. Uh, Joan Williams can't do it. You can't put all your faith in this new guy. I think that it's going to come – Bill realizes he has a very good defense. His front seven is probably – up there with one of the best front sevens that he's ever had. Would you agree with that? Um, In terms of versatility? Versatility and potential. I mean, that's a big statement because I think back to like Vrabel, Bruski, Seymour, Wilford, like, but yeah. I think this unit has potential. Yes. Potential. It could be a top five Belichick defense. And Stefan Gilmore, think whatever he is, he's still a top six cornerback in the league. Um, yes, but um, how did you describe Bill earlier when we were talking about the quarterback position? I gave you two choices, stupid and stubborn. I said, I said stubborn. Oh, so you think stubbornness could um, well, affect Bill, Bill's, Bill's a defensive guy. He thinks he can win with any quarterback. Qu- quarterback, I think he knows he needs a good cornerback. I think he does too because he always has. He's, that's, how they, that's how they had that new run. They got a good cornerback. Right, okay. Start with Revis. I'm concerned he's going to be traded, and I think that's bad for the defense. Right? I think that'd be very bad for the defense. But I just, what do you get for him? Like, what what would be a, a return that Bill would be okay with? Because it's not like Sony Michelle, where you just, you just wanted to get rid of the guy. I think you're going to get you're going to get a second round pick. You're also going to ship a sixth to get a fifth, or ship a fifth to get a fourth. Or I I wouldn't do it. 
Well, I wouldn't have traded Sony Michelle. You just mentioned I it. Might as well I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have either. I, I just I think Bill realizes the potential of this defense, and we talked about it. If you trade away Stephon Gilmore, I think that's giving up two wins, and he's going to give in. One of those two sides has to give in, and I think Bill and the Patriots will give in. So we're counting on Bill Belichick and caving. Yes, because I think he, he looks at his defense and sees the potential, and it, the, potential, the potential is not there without Stephon Gilmore. Why doesn't he see the potential of Mac Jones in the offense when Mac's on the field? Because he, he Josh handles that. He worries about the defense. Oh, okay. Um, so getting into the Sony Michelle trade, which is a trade that did happen. The Patriots have already now pulled off two trades um, over the course of the last couple of days. Um, I think we both agree that we understand the trade, but probably personally wouldn't have made it. Um, we've talked a lot about you have a deep group, but <laughs> if Damian Harris gets nicked up like he did twice last year, all of a sudden now you're counting on Stevenson and like things. JJ Taylor, like it's, yeah, things could fall apart quickly. It looks great right now, but like you said, come week two and Damian Harris goes down with an ankle injury and is out a month. Then what happens? Like, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson's had a great camp. He's had a great last three weeks, but just two, three weeks ago, Ivan fears that he had to work on everything. Field the conditioning test. Like it's a fat guy who, who he was questioning the kind of program they were running at Oklahoma. Exactly. So, I mean, things can change and get better, but you don't go from saying that to all of a sudden, like, rely on him to be your top backup. No. Um, and you're right. It's I running back is so weird. Like, we're in one world where Patriots, red shirt running backs, even good running backs. Bill said it. Remember, like, you know, James White couldn't even make the, you know, get on the field, blah, blah, blah. Where everywhere else in the NFL, it's quite common every year for multiple rookie running backs, mid-round running backs, guys you didn't really hear of in the draft process. All of a sudden, it's week six, and they're leading their team in rushing. They're they're the every down back. So it's not hard to fathom around the league that Ramondre Stevenson, which, side note, what's um, who's the loudmouth from Fox with Shannon Sharp? Um he used to be on first take. The the white guy, the skinny white guy, thinks he's in great shape. Why can't I freaking think of his name? Uh, Fox? Yes. Not, not Kellerman. No, FS1. He does the Shannon Sharp show, first talk. You know. Oh, Nick something? Huh? Nick something? No, no, it's a famous guy. How are we not coming up with this freaking I don't know what you're talking about. Who does he do the show with? He does it with Shannon Sharp on FS1. And he he they have a female host. He's, he used to be on first take. Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless. This is like the second time you've let me down when I couldn't come up with a name in two weeks. We weren't on the same wavelength. I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, why does Skip Bayless love him some Ramondre Stevenson? He says, you know, it's, every time anything happens, he tweets, Stevenson's going to be a star. I don't know how the league let Belichick get him. Like, I, I don't follow Skip Bayless, so I can't, I can't oh, tell you, but... Like, each of the preseason games after Stevenson's been good, he's tweeted. This week when Sony Michelle got traded, Skip Bayless tweeted, I keep telling you, Ramondre Stevenson's going to be a star, blah, blah, blah. Maybe, maybe he went to Oklahoma or has a brother at Oklahoma or something. Uh, whatever. Um, but the the Sony Michelle trade, I, I just well, – Can we also say, like, I got a lot of pushback from guys saying you can't keep six running backs. Yeah, you can. Brandon Bolden is a guy that you could just say, hey, we're going to cut you, but just stick around. Like, we'll figure it out. Like that, that's happened before. You, you could have kept everybody. You can keep whoever you want. So that's, forget that. Um, 
I actually think this was an extension of Bill's comments. I think he wanted Sony Michelle gone. I, I kind of do too. Which were you, um, I, I mean, I, I guess it's always dangerous to just take public comments from teammates, but the, the, the level of positive comments for Sony Michelle coming out of James White and David Andrews, captain level Patriots yesterday or the day of the trade Wednesday, um, for a guy that we think Bill had kind of run the course with and was annoyed with and was getting at it. Like it was weird. Yeah. And I, like, I don't want to, you know, speak, read into player comment. Like we in the media see Sony Michelle's like presence on Instagram and, and this whole off season, not showing up to the workouts, but like behind clones, closed doors, do we miss something with Sony Michelle? Cause you're right. The players gave really good comments and it seemed sad that he's gone. Whereas in the media, we couldn't really see it and just looked at him as a guy that Bill didn't like. So maybe the players viewed him differently. And the, the, the one problem I have is he, I could, I could see being a player and like Gilmore wants a new contract. I like Gilmore. I understand it's business. He's going to stay away from OTAs and mini camp. That's because he's done something. He was the defensive player of the year. Plus, Sony Michelle's not looking to renegotiate a contract. He's not, you know, disappointed with whatever. If he's a hard worker, it's hard for you as a player to sell me that your teammate's a hard worker when he's not working hard in the spring, when he's not at OTAs and taking part in the offseason program, which I know is voluntary, but it really isn't. It's not really voluntary. If you want to be good, great. You want to grow your role, whatever. Unless you're a star, it's not voluntary. Um, so I just think that whole... What teammates think of Sony, what fans think of Sony, like what we think of Sony. There's a weird dynamic there. And that being said, I don't rule out him being good for the Rams. No, I, I think that things could actually work out well for him there. I, I mean, I know we, we mock the pick now. I think a lot of people thought it was a good pick at the time, and you were adding a good, versatile, playmaking running back to the Tom Brady offense. I would agree with that, and I think that Sony did not have a bad career with the Patriots. He had a no, decent career. Enough. Correct, because he was a first-round pick. If he was a second or a third-round pick, I think his career would have looked completely different, and he would have been a, a, a guy that Patriots fans kind of liked. Yeah, no, I, I. it's a weird – if he had been a third-round pick, it was he would have been a fine yep. guy to have on the team, the locker room. Now, I don't know what went on behind closed doors in terms of him – not being happy with his role or, you know, not picking up your 50 year option or staying away from OTAs. I mean, those are personal interactions, but my only point would be, so Nikhil Harry's agent asked for a trade and ripped the organization. Yes. Nikhil Harry showed up, said the right things and was practicing and, and was until he got hurt, who knows what was going to happen there. Sony Michelle didn't say really anything. He skipped OTAs and now was shipped out of town, leaving you, I think, in a more precarious situation than you'd probably ideally like to be in. I would agree. Okay, so I think they just wanted to get rid of Sony. I don't know why, how it went south, why it went south. I think they just wanted to get rid of Sony. I think that's true. Uh, another thing I want to get to. Okay. Wide receiver. Is it a problem? Yeah, I, I read it on WEEI.com a couple of weeks ago. It said wide receivers becoming a problem for Patriots or something. And it continues to be a problem. It's probably gotten worse. It's a major problem because no matter who's the quarterback, you need somebody to catch the ball. And then I, they don't have anybody right now that can do that. John O. Smith. Okay. Who else? James White. Um, running back. 
I'm just telling you, I I agree with you. The wide receiver. Jacoby Myers, James White, Jonu Smith. Other than that, you got a whole lot of questions. Okay, Hunter Henry, he's fine, but he's in a red non-contact jersey, which if the game was this week, probably he's not playing. So I agree with you. The receiver situation is not great, but let's be optimistic at other positions. I think Jonu Smith's going to catch 80-plus balls. Okay. If Jonu Smith cut, catches 80-plus balls and James White is his – usual self is a 60 catch guy and Jacoby Myers takes another positive step, which I think he has taken a positive step. He's been the most consistent receiver by far. Okay. So let's just say he catches, I'll be 70, 80 balls, 70. Okay. Are are you putting together a pretty good foundation? Now everybody else just has to be. Yeah. As long as as you have a running game, like we think that they could have. Yeah. You could, you could probably get away with it, but again, what if uh, Joey Myers gets hurt? What if Johnny Smith gets hurt? Then you're port. Hey, there's no guarantee we're all going to be here on Sunday. So a lot could happen, right? Thanks, Kyle. Yep. Um, no, I, there is no doubt they're thin. I think they're thin almost everywhere except for like linebacker. Front yeah, front seven. But they, they that's just the reality of where their roster was, the steps they took to rebuild it on the fly at a cost and you're not back yet. You still need another uh, year, sort of, yeah. Or a draft class to kick in. Like, you know, if all of a sudden uh, Devin Asiasi is good, Trey uh, Nixon is good, forgot his name, he's been out of the mix. Um, Cut, but okay. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if all of a sudden those guys are good, that's your depth. Right. Now you slide those in behind Jacoby Myers and the other pieces. Um, So you're still trying to restock the cupboard, and the, the elephant in this room you have a nice green room there. I do too. Um, Just painted it. Should, oh, nice. should be nice. Nice. Um, the elephant in your green room is we haven't really spent much time talking about Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne right now while we're talking about receivers. Uh, I will say, I think Bourne put together a nice couple of days. Great. You know what he also put together at times? <laughs> a week's worth of drops. Yes. You know what? Did you see the two point conversion in the Philly uh, game? Uh, I did. And it right yeah. in the face mask. Not, he not- saw it too because it went right between his effing eyes and he didn't catch it. He's yeah. just not consistent enough with his hands, in my opinion. I agree. But I'm like you, I'm trying to take, my, take the opposite view of my own question and say, look at the positives. He made some nice plays. He had a nice, uh, got his feet down in the back of the end zone today. Um, I think he had good chemistry with Mac. Um, oh, but you don't think that matters. I guess not. Because Mac's not the starter. What are they going to be on the scout team together? But, but Aguilar is a problem. He, especially with the contract that you gave him, he's supposed to be like a, a quasi number one receiver. He's a double problem because my theory is the contract you gave him kept you from going after Julio Jones aggressively. I don't think you're far off with that. So not only did you overpay a guy, it prevented you from being a better guy. Yes. And I think Julio would be a great guy to have around not just he's Julio that goes without saying, but the veteran proven hall of fame talent around John U. Smith, as he figures out his role or Mac Jones. I was, I was just to say that Mac Jones, a guy that you're, you're a stud. Like I, I can count on you. Whereas where, now he's where, where'd Julio go to school? Uh, Alabama, right? Oh, Alabama. Yeah. So, I think they absolutely screwed the proverbial pooch with the Nelson Aguilar signing. 
We and said I, at the time, we said at the time it was a bad time. They overpaid. And now we're kind of seeing that through that. Yes, that was the case. And it's not working out with the player. That said, this can all be changed with a couple play action bombs for Mac Jones. Cause we've noticed he can throw the ball deep down the left sideline. The problem is can't no catch it. Yes. So go down the list. I think they've ran the same play. Yep. Christian Wilkerson in the preseason game. Uh, Nikhil Harry in the preseason game. And then today it was Gunnar Olszewski. Yep. So, but it hasn't been yet. Nelson Aguilar in a key situation. Well, because half the time he's been off the field. Okay. You're not very good at this being positive. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm not. I, again, I think the upside with Aguilar is just that. It's what he was with the Raiders. A couple big plays here or there. He's not going to be a go-to guy all the time. But if you can get those play-action, game-changing, 35, 45-yard gains, mm-hmm. maybe he can kind of restore a little bit of his value or, or the value in that contract. Uh, any game thoughts? We have a game Sunday night. Like, Is there anything you're really watching in this game? Like, How do you think they approach it? I think they're going to play – I don't know that it'll be – I don't think – the fourth game would be nobody plays and the guys fighting for roster spots play. It won't be that. Nope. But I also don't think it'll be – and maybe you correct me if I'm wrong. A like dress rehearsal? Yeah, where the starter and the first offense go first quarter, second quarter, into the third, bring them back out, any of that. I don't um, either. But I also don't know who the starting quarterback is. I mean, so <laughs> Matt threw a crap load of passes this week. Yep. In our old way of looking at preseason and joint practices, that could mean less for Mac Jones, right? Yes. And Cam missed reps, so Cam could use more reps. Yep. But I don't know whether I read into that Cam needs more reps or Cam's the starting quarterback getting ready for September 12th. That's a good point because you're right. If, if you could take both, both equations to it. If Cam Newton's the starter, he missed the reps this week, he's going to make up for it in the game. Right. Mac Jones is the starter. He got all the reps in practice. He doesn't need him in the game. So why give him to him? So yeah, you can't, I don't think you can read much into quarterback reps in this game. No, unless, I, unless Mac starts. Okay, go ahead. So he's the starter if he starts? Yeah, I think if Mac Jones starts the game, he, you can be viewed him as the starting quarterback for week one. I hope so. You, you might hear do a cartwheel. But don't you agree, though, if he starts the game? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I want to believe that. I have gotten to the point. I have a very longstanding argument with um, Wall Street analysts who at 4.30 every day, based on what happened, told you why it happened, instead of telling you at 8 o'clock in the morning what's going to happen so you could actually make some money that day. And I think we are all going to be left on September 12th to then look back at everything that happened and either say, see, Bill was honest. He told you he was the starter the whole time, this, or he manipulated the narrative. He did this, like, this is what this meant. Everybody's going to do that, you know, revisionist history or retroactive analysis. Whereas I'm just going to stick with my June damn 15th proclamation that Mac Jones should be the starting quarterback and will be the starting quarterback. And if I'm wrong, well, I'm wrong. All right. Before we wrap this up, I got some a rapid fire thing with you. Okay, some okay. Ran, random guys on the roster, thoughts on if they make the team or not, like what their roles are, like just, just rapid fire. Okay. Christian Wilkerson. Does not make the team, not good enough. 
practice squad. Yes. Cause and practice squad because of lack of depth at receiver, but also his uh, special teams work with Matthew Slater. Okay. Harvey Long makes the team. Cause he's a Belichick guy. And I think there's all, he'll be the, you just raised your eyebrows. Um, he'll be one of his, you know, we were talking the other day to Phil Perry from NBC and he was talking about, he does his roster projections and he, he always keeps in mind that there's always somebody on the roster that you were surprised with and tries to include them in projections. So you have candidates for that. We know Bill has loved Harvey Longy for a long time. He loved him Longy time all the way back to uh, BYU. Yep. And then he had the weird career here where he had the car accident derailed things. I think his affinity for him and quite frankly, he's been pretty good. Yeah. He's one of the best players in the Eagles game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had him on my roster in the last projection, so I could see. So he fits. Yes. Chase Winovich. Chase Winovich traded um, to the Atlanta Falcons for a fifth round pick, something like that. No, that's the case of a Sony thing, just to get rid of the guy, right? Um, just the realization that it's not a great fit. We've added depth. Oh, uh, in conjunction with this, quickly becoming one of my favorite players, Josh Uche. He has an energy about him. I saw Hightower called him mini uh, Judon. Judon, yeah. And I told you, when Judon arrived, he brought an edgy energy. I think Josh Uche brings an edgy energy. I think those could be two bad mofo bookends for the Patriots. Yeah, we missed – we should have – he was the best player on the yeah. on defense. And that people know it. Yes. The, yes. There was the one where he's – it was a bleeping sack, and he screamed it when they were completing a pass after what would have been a sack. Um, and I liked how Hightower said like, you know, the energy or whatever, you know, there's like old guy energy and then there's young guy energy and he brings the young guy energy. Um, I, I don't know why I've been suckered in with him, but he he has suckered me in. I'm very intrigued with what he's going to be. Yanni could just, um, I'm going to say he makes the team because I don't want to read too much into it, but we're in a joint practice in the last week of training camp. And Isaiah Wynn leaves, which looked like heat-related issues, mm-hmm. and boom, Kajust is at left tackle with that first unit. And you know me. I thought he was cut as of May. When, when, when Josh just ripped Josh him. Josh was just eviscerating him on the practice field. Like, I felt bad for him. It was a professional man who was getting absolutely castrated by his offensive coordinator. And – now, all of a sudden, I think it's clicked or whatever, and he's staying healthy, and he's on the field, and now I think he's your tackle. Your yeah, that's what was open, I thought, from the beginning of camp. No one really took it besides him in the last week or so, and I think that could get I him. I mean, Cunningham had a shot. Justin Huron had a shot, and it looks like Kajust could be the, the last guy standing. Uh, who else should we hit on? Um, James Ferentz. No, he'll be on the, the the Foxborough taxi squad, the whatever you want to call it. No, no, no. Brandon Bolden. Uh, yes. Uh, he's just such a Belichick guy. And with Sony out, kind of, you can have five guys now. Yeah. Yeah. And and I actually think if Stevenson craps his pants, Bolden could be the backup running back. He's done that over his career at various points. And he's such a core special teamer and leader and, Boombox locker room guy and the whole thing. Uh, Brandon King. I think he's done. Does that mean that uh, Cody Davis well, is on the team? You're right. It's probably down to those two, huh? 
yeah, that's how it's always been in my projection. It's either one or the other. I get, I mean, King, I think was better for the Patriots at his best, but he's been snake bitten by injury. Yeah, it's not his fault. But... I keep him. I like him. He's a very nice man. The few times I've talked to him, he's a very nice man. Okay. So we'll, we'll keep him. We'll keep him because he's a nice guy. Sure. Cody Davis is a nice man too. I just haven't talked to him. Really. He's got a lot of kids too. The front he does have a lot of kids. I hope he keeps his job. He's got a lot of kids to feed. Uh, Quinn Nordine. Uh, I guess on the practice squad. Yeah, you can do that with all the guys they have. And I, it seems like they like him. Like if, if, if they didn't like him, they would just cut him after the performance in Philly. Right. I think they do. And it's with these expanded practice squads and you have an old kicker, it's probably good to have a developmental kicker yes. around. And even if, even if not for injury, but for next year, just keep, and there's other kickers. I know the, the giants backup Joe judge thinks he's one of the best. He got uh, traded to the Panthers. No, I know. But my point is, Everybody was like, oh, you're not going to get Quinn Nordine through waivers to get right. on. The- well, you're right. Every, now every team has a guy all. Yeah. I don't think he's one of the 32 best kickers in the NFL, so you probably can. Okay. I think I ran out of notable guys. Okay. I liked it, though. Yeah. I, like, I like rapid fire type uh, type questions. Um, so in terms of the game, is there? we talked about the uncertainty of how they play it necessarily. Is there a guy that's in a make or break situation on Sunday night, you think? Jawan Williams. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, I did want to one more note. Yeah. Jawan Williams. Although I think he's been on uptick of late yes. and some of that is opportunity because Jalen Mills isn't that good and blah, blah, blah. Right. I actually kind of feel bad for Mills. Cause I think he was brought here to be one thing and he's probably like, wait a minute. I didn't come here to be a starting cornerback and replace Stefan Gilmore. <laughs> wait, you didn't tell me this was happening. You want me to replace Stefan Gilmore? First of all, I should be making more money. And second of all, I can't. <laughs> you told me I was going to be the number three quarterback playing some personal roles in the safety. In the right. Um, the other thing I've found interesting, I think a guy, and we'll see once they get into games, because I can already think of a couple bad plays he had in games, but um, a guy that I think, and I, I won't speak for you, in my mind, I expected to take on a lesser role who hasn't is Juwan Bentley. And like, I found it like he's out there with Hightower a lot. He's in the first unit. Um, they're the two off the ball inside linebackers yeah. and also Judon, when he was talking about how he's learning and, you know, coach Mayo and coach Steve. And then when I'm on the field high and bent, tell me what to do. And everything. like, he's, he's still in a respected high level role, which I. Well, he was a captain. I think he's very well respected. I think he's smart. I think that this could be a case too, where, he could be valuable early in the year to give Hightower kind of breathers. Like we saw in the last year, Hightower played. He kind of didn't play as much early in the year to save himself for the end. Maybe it's the same thing this year, and Bentley's the guy that takes over those snaps. And I also want to throw out the possibility or the idea that he wasn't good last year. I I think he would probably admit that. Um, The front sucked last year. And I wonder if they feel like sometimes he was just – put in places to fail because of the guys in front of him. Mm-hmm. Now, if the guys in front of him do their job, he'll be fine in his role with whatever his skills and or limitations are. So I just wonder, I, I just think it's interesting that Juwan Bentley may not be pushed aside to the degree that I think some people thought he might. Fair. Any other same question, you guys that are playing for a job? Um, I think it's always interesting. A, you asked me a question. You were ready to interrupt before I even answered. 
because I had a name that I forgot the last time you asked. <laughs> um, Ramondre Stevenson, I always like to see how guys react to a change in the status of themselves or the, the, the depth chart around them. Like, just what does he do? Does he look, you know, does he change anything? Does, does, does he take the, the added role or responsibility or whatever it may be come Sunday night and run with it? Christian Wilderson. I think that last receiver spot still kind of up for grabs. And I, he's been up and down. But if he ends on a high note, they look at his special teams value. Maybe he could be a guy that sneaks on the roster. That's probably true. Um, although, if you look at it, so – you have Nelson Aguilar, yeah, Hendrick Bourne, yeah, and Jacoby Myers. Yeah, yeah, and Gunner's on the roster because he's yep. an All-Pro punt returner. Yep, right. So that's four. Yep, and break class in case of emergency. Matthew Slater is still always around, although it would have to be an extreme emergency. Yes. Um, you know, gone are the days if you remember when uh, Gruden was doing the broadcast and said Matthew Slater's on the field. You know, you got to get back. <laughs> Why? He's never caught a ball ever. Well, I was just thinking third down. What was it, the AFC telegame in Denver where Slater was out there that injury year? Um, but so there's really one spot left, if at all. Uh, like, I don't rule out Bill keeping four receivers because he doesn't think any of them are really good enough to keep, and they're all in the practice squad again. And they, they did it last year, right? Zuber got the call up. Wilkerson got the call up. Right. Even Gunner got more opportunities late in the year as a receiver. Yeah. I think they could treat it kind of the same way and not have oh, we, we haven't even talked about it. Harry. What do they do with Nikhil Harry? I'm going to assume he goes on IR. Because it's such short term now, like you can do whatever you want. It's, well, but that means he's on the roster. You don't have to do that anymore. No, you do. You have to be on the roster. I thought they changed that for this year. No. Sure about that? Yeah, you have to be on the roster, on the initial roster to be to be eligible because all the guys have been placed in IR this week. They're done for the year. Okay. I trust you. I thought there was a tweakage in that rule. Well, I'll double check it after the podcast. I'm almost positive. Um, but either way, that's because, that, because if you do that, it's kind of bending the rules a little bit. Well, that's what the Patriots are all about is bending the rules. <laughs> um, but I will also say – Brandon Bolden, cut him, keep Harry, re-sign Bolden. Like, yeah. there's a number of, I think, those right. types. I think, I think that's a, a good manipulation that could happen. You're right. Yeah. Cut, cut Bolden, nobody takes him, then put Harry on IR. Because I don't think they're just going to cut Harry. You no, I don't either. They would, they would ne- Bill would never do that. Cut a right. first-round pick after three years, no chance. So you can't – and you can't um, trade him while he's hurt. I mean, you, I guess you, you could. You can, but what team's going to do that? Right. So I think he'll be on – on IR and then yeah all right so this is from Tom Pellicer as players continue to land on injuries are a reminder that only those plays on IR after next week's 53 man roster cut down are eligible for return yeah I thought they had tweaked that somehow I don't recall no you're probably right I mean he he, he's good with those memos and those right right. does so yeah Um, yeah so I think you'll just manipulate it with Bolden or one of those guys all right anything else nope all right. Uh, we'll have, baseball practice. We'll have a podcast. Uh, Monday is our plan. Post-game wrap-up, then looking into roster cutdowns, and then probably one Wednesday reaction, reacting to the cutdowns. So we'll have jerk reactions to the final preseason game and then jerk reactions to cutdowns, baby. Yep. yep. So, Take that, Jerry Thornton. All right. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday. Peace out. 
Everyone's fans looking for more coverage of your favorite hockey team? Follow the Skate Pod hosted by Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice, and me, Bridget Pru. Get your Bruins coverage from WEI's team of Bruins writers. We're the people who are at the games and talk to the players every week. For analysis of every Bruins game and exclusive interviews with the players, listen to the Skate Pod on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.